0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Thursday, the 5th of November. And I know what everyone's thinking right now. It's the 5th of November, and we still don't know when we can start playing Christmas songs. When can we start already? Mariah Carey, tell us when we can start. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, Donald Trump isn't going anywhere. Coronavirus also isn't going anywhere. And Michael Costa tells us why we all should be very afraid. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
1: From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. We are
0: now on day three of election day. And I don't know about you, but this election is starting to feel like that friend who you let crash on your couch for a weekend, but then you quickly realize that you've officially got a new roommate. Well, let's see what's happening with our situation ship in our ongoing segment, VoteGasm 2020. Let's get to the big news first. President Donald, just a minute Trump, is in more trouble than a guy who kidnapped Liam Neeson's daughter. Because all day, Joe Biden has been slowly chipping away at Trump's lead in Georgia, while also cleaning up as mail-in ballots are counted in Pennsylvania. Basically, by the time you're watching this, it could all be over. So tonight, you're either popping champagne or popping all your stress pimples. But even though things look bad for him, Donald Trump is not a quitter if you don't count his casinos and marriages. And he still has several strategies to win this thing. So let's go through those strategies today. Strategy number one is Trump's first response to anything, whether it's trying to get out of paying a bill or silencing a porn star,
1: lawsuits with his path to reelection appearing to be narrowing president trump's relying on relief from the courts that may never come filing suits in michigan and pennsylvania to stop vote counting until the trump campaign can access the counting locations the trump campaign saying it would request a recount in wisconsin where joe biden is the apparent winner
2: The Trump campaign filing a lawsuit in Georgia, alleging one of its poll observers saw late absentee ballots illegally added to a stack of on-time absentee ballots in a heavily Democratic county that includes Savannah.
3: Quite possibly we'll do a national lawsuit and really expose the corruption of the Democrat party.
0: Ooh, a national lawsuit? So if you're watching this, consider yourself served. And what a difference between 2016 and 2020, when Hillary lost, she disappeared into the woods. But Trump starts losing. He's dragging voters one by one onto the witness stand. Although knowing Trump, he's probably just hustling for a big settlement. I'm suing because I should be president. That's why I'm here. But for 500 grand, we can forget this whole thing ever happened. 300,000, 250, my final offer, 50,000. I'll pay you, but only $20 out of the deal. But what case exactly are they bringing to the courts? Well, Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer and man who drank from the wrong holy grail, explained his objections to counting votes. Not a single Republican has been able to look at any one of these mail
3: ballots. They could be from Mars, as far as we're concerned, or they could be from the Democratic National Committee. Joe Biden could have voted 50 times, as far as we know, or 5,000 times. You have a reputation for dead people voting, and we're gonna go look at just how many dead people voted here. Do you think
0: we're stupid? You think we're fools? Do you think we're fools? Calm down, Count Wacula. First of all, it depends on who you mean by we. Because if you're talking about you and Trump, then yes, we do think you're fools. But if you're talking about the entire Trump administration, then also yes. Because, I mean, come on, dude. Joe Biden isn't voting 5,000 times. Have you seen how long the lines have been? Not even Joe Biden wants Joe Biden to be present bad enough to wait that long. And as for looking into dead people, it's gonna be hilarious when Rudy Giuliani is questioning the dead on how they voted. Did the Democrats get you to vote for them? No, man, I'm a dead guy, just like you. What? I'm not dead, I'm alive. Oh, then you should, you should get that whole thing checked out. That, oh. Now, I'm not gonna front. It's really hard to keep track of all of these lawsuits that are happening, but luckily, we've got Dulce Sloan at the election lawsuit center to help us break it all down. So Dulce,
4: who is Trump suing right now? Let's take a look, Trevor. We got a whole bunch of lawsuits coming in fast. We already know that Trump is suing Pennsylvania and Michigan and Georgia, but he's got even more on the way. Arizona, oh, your ass is getting sued. Nevada, lawyer up, you're getting sued. Utah, your neighbor's with Nevada. Trump's gonna sue you just because it's convenient to pop by. Pennsylvania, that's right, again. You're getting double sued. And Trump isn't just suing states. France, your ass is getting sued. For what? Not sure. See you in court. Also, Eric Trump said he found a box of Trump votes in a volcano on Mars. So Mars, your red ass is getting sued. Oh, and I almost forgot. Pennsylvania, triple sued. Just for thinking Trump was done suing you. Guess who else Trump is suing? That's right. Donald Trump! He's suing himself! Because if it wasn't for all his bullshit, he wouldn't be losing Pennsylvania, which, by the way, Trump is sued again! Quadruple sue! Ah! That's what we got so far, Trevor. Or should I say, Defendant 32. See you in court, bitch.
0: Oh man, I've always wanted to be sued by Trump. Thank you so much for that, Dulce. So It's gonna take some time for these lawsuits to be thrown out by a series of lower courts before the Supreme Court does whatever Trump wants. But Trump isn't sitting around waiting. He's also been urging his followers to take to the streets and they're showing up like coronavirus at a White House Rose Garden event.
5: President Trump supporters in various states are protesting. Why the Trump campaign wants some states to stop counting votes while other states continue counting. In Arizona overnight, hundreds of Trump supporters,
0: some armed, gathered outside a Phoenix election center, saying the election was being stolen from the president. Protesters there looking to keep the count going as the race tightens. Where are the votes?
1: Where are the votes? And in the battleground state of Pennsylvania, Voters say the tension there is intense. Tempers flaring from coast to coast.
3: The Biden crime family steal this election. The media is covering it up. The Biden crime family steal this election. The media is covering it up. We want our freedom for the world. Give us our freedom, Joe Biden.
0: Okay, two things. First, this ugly behavior undermines the foundations of American democracy. And secondly, I hope they have that barbecue beer freedom shirt in a hoodie version. That is dope. Also. The Biden crime family? (laughs) That that has got to be the least threatening-sounding organized crime family ever. You know, you've got a really nice place here. Be a pity if some malarkey happened to it. I, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, seriously, I can't believe we were all terrified that Trump supporters would coordinate a civil war, and yet these guys can't even agree on a slogan to shout in the streets. Because they're chanting to count the votes if Trump is behind in the state, but then if he's ahead, then they're chanting to stop the count. I mean, what happens if the state switches? Count the votes! Well, we are counting, and it looks like Joe Biden has just taken the lead. Okay, stop counting the votes! We changed our minds! Depends how it goes! But if Trump can't win the election in the streets, he has one final plan, to win the election in the tweets
1: the president after election day out of sight, but far from quiet, ignoring the ongoing vote count and declaring himself the winner in several crucial battlegrounds, writing on Twitter in part, we hereby claim the state of Michigan, but that's not a candidate's call to make.
0: (laughs) No, come on, Donald, what are you doing, man? Just because you shout it, doesn't mean it's yours. This is the election, not riding shotgun. It's mine! I call, I call, I call White House. And isn't it ironic? that Trump spent months warning that rioters were gonna loot all the stores, but now he's the one trying to loot the Electoral College. It's all mine, it should have been mine, I want it, it's all mine. Also, can we agree that it's adorable how he included the word hereby, just to make it sound smarter and more official, you know? He's like, oh no, I I said hereby, so this is real. You can't use that in 2020. That shit only worked back in the day when people were colonizing land. I declare this land property of Her Majesty the Queen. This is our land, we will kill you. Well then I hereby declare this land property of Her Majesty the Queen. Ah, guys, he said hereby. There's nothing we can do now. Stand back and stand by. Ooh, crafty, eh? But if none of these plans work and Donald Trump can't stop Joe Biden from becoming president, well, all is not lost for the GOP because it turns out that Mitch McConnell Senate majority leader and world's most powerful ball sack, has got a plan to take care of Biden, even if he wins.
5: Axios has a good piece out today about uh, McConnell. Arguing that uh, if he keeps the majority, he will force Biden to keep his cabinet choices centrist. McConnell's already uh, lining up his troops to be ready to make things difficult for the Biden administration, looking to control the type of cabinet that Biden can assemble, the type of hearings that he can have.
6: Mitch McConnell is going to be, a, and the Republicans in the Senate will be a blocking force.
0: Nah, that's right. It doesn't matter who's president. I'll always be the cock blocker in chief. Blah, 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 blah. So, That's where things stand with the election. Well, I mean, that's where things stand if you're watching the news. Because if you're watching Fox News, it's a lot different. We actually asked Desi Lydic to watch Fox for the last 48 hours to try and explain what's really going on, and this is what she found.
3: Well, surprise, surprise, the do-nothing Democrats are trying to steal this election. ICE agents found thousands of Trump votes floating in the Ariana Grande. The states that are still out, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia. Put them all together as Panvaja. What is As A Ukrainian milk company. Who's the chairman of the board? Hunter Biden. Pennsylvania isn't even a state. It's a commonwealth. Common plus wealth. Count the votes. Stop the count. Count the stop. Hop on pop. Ilhan Ocasio Omar voted 53 times in Marietta, Georgia. They gave pens to Democrats and made Republicans fill out their ballots with the Sharpie. Smells like dead people voting to me. Breaking news. Rudy Giuliani found 50,000 Trump votes in a goodie bag from Adam Schiff's barnet. The more cases, the more counting. The more testing, the more ballots. Has anyone seen Anthony Fauci and Nate Silver in the same room? One, two, three, four, five. <sighs> Stop counting. 77, 78, 79, 80. Stop the number! Arizona, rescind the call. Call your mom. My son won't talk to me.
0: Thank you so much, Desi. Stay hydrated. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll take a look at where we are with the coronavirus, because we may have forgotten about COVID, but COVID definitely hasn't forgotten about us. So stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Let's talk about the coronavirus pandemic. It's the reason we're all still working from home, and also why you're running around looking like a salad bar. Despite the fact that we totally ignored the virus, it looks like it is refusing to go away which means all over the U.S., the news looks like this. For the first time ever, U.S. coronavirus infections have reached a record 100,000 new cases in one day, and we're now inching our way toward the nine and a half million mark. In battleground states like Arizona, Wisconsin, and
5: Texas, COVID was top of mind for many Americans this election, but it's front and center every day for doctors like Jason Mitchell. This is the highest volumes
0: uh, that we've seen throughout this pandemic.
5: As many focus on election results, first responders are still struggling to save lives, with COVID cases climbing in
0: 43 states. We
2: cannot afford to lose any more lives. Colorado
1: is now accepting patients from outside its borders. But like other regions, they too are facing a 100% spike in new cases. Though the mortality rate
0: has improved, the volume in cases is accounting for an increase in deaths in 32 states. That's right, people. 100,000 new cases a day, and an increase in deaths in 32 states. And don't forget, this is nine months in. Nine months. COVID-19 is like if Godzilla attacked Tokyo, but then signed a long-term lease. I love this city. There's always something happening. And everyone knows my name. When I walk down the streets. street, I'm like, oh, shucks, guys. But as you can see, coronavirus does not give a shit about politics. Even after the election, it carries on. And don't get me wrong, It was honored to meet a sitting president, but it's not gonna stop just because it's election time. And while the situation in the United States is uniquely bad, the pandemic is also getting worse in countries where the disease was under control. I mean, among the countries calling strict new lockdowns today, the United Kingdom has announced theirs. Although I won't lie, giving the Brits an advanced warning might not have been the smartest idea
5: starting today british prime minister boris johnson is enforcing a second national lockdown that will last at least until december 2nd all non-essential businesses must close and bars and restaurants can offer only takeout united kingdom celebrated a last night of freedom before today's new covid 19 lockdown took effect in london crowds of people filled bars and restaurants for their last chance to enjoy a social outing for a while
0: no United Kingdom, what are you doing? This is like people who cheat at their bachelor parties. It still counts. And you should definitely get tested. I mean, maybe, maybe COVID works differently in Britain. That's why they're doing this. Maybe British corona gives you a head start. All right, everybody, get one more point and then I'm coming for ya. Now, there is some good news. Doctors are getting better at treating COVID-19 Pharmaceutical companies are coming closer to having a vaccine, and now a computer scientist might have found a faster way to diagnose the sickness.
1: Scientists at MIT have a a new way to figure out if someone's cough is a potential symptom of COVID-19. They just listen to it. Researchers say there's actually a difference in sound from a COVID cough versus a regular cough, even if a patient is asymptomatic. It's almost imperceptible to the human ear, but they have artificial intelligence they can tell the difference. There are actually differences in the strength of your vocal cords, your lung performance, and in something researchers call the sentiment of the cough. Their their tests were between 98 and 100% accurate. Researchers are hoping to use this as another screening tool for schools or other public places.
0: Holy shit, people, this is amazing. We thought we needed a vaccine, when it turns out we just needed Shazam for diseases. Oh, Ebola. I knew it was you, baby. And can I just say, this is great news for us human beings. Huh? Using technology to fix our diseases. But I do feel very bad for the artificial intelligence that we designed just for this purpose. I am Nexius, here to calculate the atoms in the galaxy and the origins of life. Oh, yeah, that's great. Hey, can you tell me if this cough sounds weird? <coughs> Somebody kill me. Please kill me now. right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, Michael Costa gives us even more reasons to be terrified of the election, and then Soledad O'Brien joins us to talk about what the media got wrong. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. So, we've all been watching the votes slowly be counted. And who knows? As I'm saying these words to you now, the news networks may have already declared Biden or Trump victorious, but,
1: that won't be the end of it. And Michael Costa tells us why. Welcome to the presidential race that will not end. 2020's already been a torturous marathon of an election cycle, so what's one more week? Plus, I'm keeping a close eye on my stress levels. New York Times has their needle from hell, Five thirty-eight has that sexy cross-eyed cartoon fox, so I thought I would make my own Descent Into Madness meter. That way I can let you know how stressed out you should be. Right now, we can sit back and rest assured the states will count every ballot in a timely fashion, which is why right now I'm in the Zen zone.
5: The presidential race, still undecided. Millions of votes still being counted. Okay.
1: Well, I'm sure that's not a big deal. But just to put my mind at ease, let's talk to an expert in chaos theory. Close, but more like this. Meet Ned Foley, an expert in U.S. electoral chaos. From a potential disaster standpoint, what happens if we don't know the results of this election?
6: Uh, We're fine for a few couple of weeks. I mean, we don't really have to worry again until we get to December, Monday, December 14. So that's actually the real presidential election. That's when the Electoral College meets. There's a provision of federal law. It's Title III of the U.S. Code, Section 7. It talks about the meeting of the Electoral College being the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December.
1: I thought it was the fourth Thursday in November.
6: Isn't that Thanksgiving?
1: Well, then when's my anniversary? (laughs) You tell me. Okay, it's December 14th, and not all the votes have been counted. What happens? Well,
6: that would be bad.
1: That would be very bad. Ned tells me that if the vote count is not complete by December 14th, which I marked on my calendar, the states get to ignore the popular vote and send their own electors. This is an actual law?
6: That would authorize or at least give a state legislature Grounds for stepping in and say, well, we're going to step in and just appoint electors ourselves.
1: I'm just going to take some notes on a whiteboard to make it simpler for myself. Is that okay? Sure. Both the Senate and the House. It turns out there are a lot of nightmare scenarios if a clear winner doesn't emerge. Who do you think it benefits, Trump or Biden, if this delayed situation continues and we don't know an answer by December 14th?
6: Depending upon who is looking like they're going to win the popular vote, it becomes strategically advantageous to the other candidate to try to mess up the system. It becomes advantageous for Team Trump to try to derail the popular vote.
1: And how does Trump derail the popular vote? Well, it's the lawsuits that you're seeing now all kinds of lawsuits.
2: Pennsylvania has become the center of multiple 2020 election lawsuits. The 2020 vote has already
1: seen more lawsuits filed than any other race. With Trump's top lawyers, like this guy. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? Which definitely could lead to
5: panicking. One of the reasons why you might feel panicky is because that's what Donald Trump wants you to feel. Because he knows that if all legal eligible votes are counted here in Pennsylvania, he's quite likely gonna lose. Meet the man
1: currently fighting Trump's lawyers in Pennsylvania, where this election may actually be decided. Attorney General Josh Shapiro, A.G. Shaps. Election day is over, it's still too close to call. On a level of oh shit to holy shit, how stressed about this election should I be?
5: You shouldn't be stressed at all. You voted, you did your part, now let us count the votes and deal with what may come. My team and I have been preparing for this uh, election for more than four months. We knew we'd be facing litigation before the election.
1: Do you get a notification on your phone every time someone sues Pennsylvania? Is it like how I get a text message?
5: Oh, I get notifications. I get texts and I get uh, staff calling. Here's the thing about these lawsuits, right? Donald Trump you know, puts out some crazy tweets and he says some outrageous things. But in a court of law, we don't deal in tweets um, and crazy statements, we deal with facts and evidence.
1: You're a composed guy, you're calm, you've got the answers. That's probably how you became attorney general. Right. But when do you think the legal dust will finally settle for the 2020 election?
5: I think you'll have a certified count here um, as required by law within the next you know 10 days or so. And we'll move forward with the process and begin to try and heal this country.
1: All right, AG Schapps is handling it. There's a process for this, a system in place mapped out by the Constitution. It's not madness scribbled on a whiteboard. So everything's going to be just fine. Okay, Nervous Ned? January
6: 20th is, to my mind, the ultimate nightmare. That's what worries me the most. What if we get to January 20th and there's still competition and still uncertainty and the generals in the Pentagon don't know who gets the nuclear codes?
1: You may not know the answer to this, but what does the constitution say about transferring nuclear codes? It doesn't
6: say anything because it was written before the nuclear age.
1: Ned, thank you. I feel a lot more at ease. It's clear what's gonna happen in the next two months and my anxiety is already lowered. So thanks a lot. Jesus
6: Christ, I'm gonna
1: die. So the one tiny detail that isn't worked out is the nukes. Ah! Well, At least we can stop tracking stress levels.
0: Thank you so much for that, Michael. When we come back, Soledad O'Brien will be joining us on the show to talk about what the media got right and what they got wrong about covering the election. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with award-winning broadcast journalist Soledad O'Brien. We chatted about the media's coverage of the election, of Donald Trump, and so much more. Soledad O'Brien, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're one of my favorite people to talk to about this topic in particular because you've worked in TV journalism, TV news for, what, three decades now. Everybody from CNN to MSNBC, et cetera. You've also been very critical of how the media has handled not just the election, but news in general. Let's start with the election and talk about that. What do you think the the news and the media have gotten wrong in covering the election.
2: I think it's always a mistake to platform lies. And I think the mistake that's been made is to uncritically quote or tweet quote the president who is lying. We know he's lying. We count, actually, the thousands of lies that he... he you know, tweets and says every single day. And so to just quote the president and give him a platform for something that we all agree, all know is a lie, is a huge mistake. And that continued on during the uh, election right. and for the past four years. So that's been terrible. But I think post-election has gotten better, post-election day. Let's let's talk a little bit about
0: that because America is in a tough place, right? It, it's, it's an interesting country because there is the idea that it's not a monarchy, right? They say, this is this is a society, it's a democracy, the president is a civil servant just like every other one. But then there's also a certain reverence, it's the president, this is the president. And so even though Donald Trump is lying, the president is speaking. And so you, you can feel journalists have this thing where they go, the president told me that my mother is responsible for the stolen votes, and I asked my mom and she did not agree, but that's what the president said. It, like, how... How do you think the media has to figure out how to navigate that relationship? Because I can see a lot of them don't want to seem disrespectful of the president, but at the same time, because he's now the president, he can just lie, and then the media has to say what his lie was.
2: Yeah, there's been a reverence for the office, right? Even though the person in the office wasn't particularly reverent himself or deserving of the reverence. And I think it's one of the reasons that we saw, oh my gosh, the New York Times beginning to call the president's lies, lies. I I, am going to take full credit for that. I am going to take credit for that. It took something like three years, but things that were lies were lies. Right, and they wouldn't right. want to say. Or things that were racist, just saying, this is racist. The statement is racist. And I, I do believe it's because of that very thing. There's a sense that whether you like the guy or hate the guy, the office itself deserves a certain reverence. And so I think that really did slow the media down, plus I would argue when you want to have access and a, you have a president who's reading everything you're writing and everything you're tweeting, you have to be very careful about how you frame things or there's a good chance you're not going to get access, frankly.
0: Yeah, that's but that's something I find strange about American journalism, for the most part. Like, I, I live in a country where you didn't have access. That's just how it worked. You know, I've lived in countries around the world where it's like, you don't have... A- access is not what journalists have. Access, find the things that are not given to you with access because... Access, in my opinion, often comes with misinformation. I mean, you know, American journalists, they've had access to so many things. They had access to the lies about Vietnam. That was the access. So I wonder sometimes, like, why are American journalists so obsessed with access when that access could be misinformation? It should be journalism, shouldn't it?
2: Yeah, I I think there's a, a quid pro quo that comes with access, right? And that is either you're gonna slide something nice about me in your next article or your next column, you're gonna quote me, or you're, you know, it's a, I scratch your back, you scratch my back, I get some interesting breaking news, and, and then you get to feed off of that for a while. You know what you're seeing right now, right, are, the pundits have gone away. No one wants to hear from the pundits. They're wrong, they're a mess, who cares, right. failed congressmen right. on TV, we don't need them. You know what they're doing? TV news organizations are camped out, talking to the head of elections in Maricopa County, right, like, right. that is journalism, yes. that is is reporting, that is not access someone calling you up, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. It's just doing the work. And I would argue most journalists are not access journalists. They're not gonna write a book about their time at the White House. They're not gonna tell you funny stories about hanging out with John Boehner. They go every day and go into communities and try to figure out what the accurate story is. And sometimes they get it right, sometimes mistakes are made. And I think most journalists do a really good job but when you're going for access, I do think it's kind of screws up your perspective. And yeah, you don't need access to do good reporting. You really don't.
0: It's interesting that you bring that up because it feels like when people talk about the media, what we often mean, especially in America is cable news. I mean, for the most part, you know, because you are completely correct. If you read your news, you find there's amazing journalists who break most of the stories that inform how we even see the world. But when it comes to cable news, pundits seem to be more important than facts. Like. You know, you, you you just bring people on. You're just gonna be like, I'm just gonna bring on this one person to say why Latinos like Trump. And then I'm gonna bring on another person to say why Latinos don't like Trump. Now you guys fight. Thank you for tuning into the news. That, uh, that's a great formula for creating conflict for the screen, but it doesn't really inform people. It's just people's opinions and pundits just trying to guess something. And then by the way, if they get it wrong, there's no ramification. They can just be like, oh yeah, Uh, This is why I was wrong, it's not because of me, it's because the the information didn't match what I was saying.
2: Yeah, and and also I think the the important piece you're missing is it's cheap, it's cheap. You Uh. pay all those people, they are on every show, they rotate through, you've seen the nine person set, right? It doesn't cost any money. You know it's expensive? Going into the field with a crew for the next three days and shooting and doing interviews and then writing your story and bringing it back and editing your story. That costs a lot of money. And actually, you can hire a guy or two for that same cost, right? And they'll be on your set for the next year. That contributor contract is for every show that they want to be on over the next year. It's a sunk cost. It's very easy. And it costs you no money. Yeah. And then you also have this built-in sense of urgency and sense of drama that I think everybody feels every story needs that actually... Takes some work when you're gonna do it in a taped spot. So I truly believe a big factor in that is just cost, is just money.
0: You, you've been someone who's been critical of, of the, the media for a while, especially like, and, and not broadly, obviously, you, you know, you've given props where props are due, but you have pointed out the shortcomings. Um, when, when you look at the news, especially cable news, we have to acknowledge that there is there is like a, a certain price to pay for like neutrality, for instance. Like cable news li- likes to bring people on to go like, this person believes that black people are human beings, but this person doesn't agree. Let's talk to them and see why they say that. This neutrality on the surface seems to be about impartiality, but really what it creates is a world where there is no fact, there is nothing we agree on. It's all up for discussion. And again, it's great for ratings, but it's not good for informing people. How do you think news networks can find that balance? Because at the end of the day, they're businesses now, but they're also claiming to inform people. Is, is there a balance that can be achieved?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually think people really want context. I, I think it's one of the reasons that podcasts are so successful now. People wanna understand, so wait, Walk me through the history a little bit and and who are these people and what's their point of view exactly, right? They want to hear the well-told story rolled out and explained versus this guy, Rick Santorum, who's going to make up something because he's not an expert in it a lot except for being a failed congressman versus pick your other congressman on the other side. And I I think this death of expertise is really problematic. When we started doing our, our, we do a show about policy called Matter of Fact, we're not live. I was like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? The president is tweeting every morning and we pre-tape our show on a Thursday for Sunday. So we decided we would lean in very hard to context what is the first amendment what is it what is gerrymandering mean and where did it come from how is right. it possible that you can live on an income a minimum wage income and not be able to afford a two-bedroom apartment and because of that we actually very rarely talk politics we talk about policy we talk about people i have no idea if they're republicans if they're democrats if they're independents if they vote they tell us what's happening in their lives and we talk about the policy. And because it's not framed as this versus this, I think it's a much more interesting conversation and it does really well. We do better than most of the cable shows.
0: If the election is called and if Joe Biden becomes president, then at some point he will be taking office. At some point he will move into the White House, which means at some point Donald Trump will no longer be president of the United States. If that were to happen, what would your advice be to newsrooms? Because I strongly suspect that they're gonna try to keep covering Trump despite the fact that he's no longer in office. They're gonna be like, what did he say today? Former President Trump said that burritos are part of the problem. What would your advice be to news networks post-Donald Trump and people who are watching the news post-Donald Trump?
2: All that will matter is does his comments, do his comments bring ratings? And I'm going to argue they don't. You can see the poor poor Fox News anchors, right? When when he's been on the phone with them for 30 minutes, they're like, well, (laughs) Mr. President, I know you're very busy, Mr. President. I know you've got to go, Mr. President. And then he won't get off the phone. So, you know, I think if they think they can get ratings, it doesn't matter what advice I give them because they will go for the ratings. But I think you're going to find that there are not ratings there to be had. That actually... He's not great ratings. He's not ratings gold. He was ratings gold when he was, wow, wacky, over the top. Who knows what he's going to do? But the song and dance is getting very, very old. Everybody understands it. And it's kind of rambly, old grandpa, uncle (laughs) <laughs> who's drunk at the no like, it's the kind of person you're like, okay, nice to see you. And then you move seven seats away yes. because you don't want to be part of that. And I think that he's falling into that category. And I can tell you only by watching, I feel sorry, which I rarely do for the Fox News anchors, but I feel sorry for them as they're trying to get him off the phone and he won't go.
0: Well, I can tell you this. Um, I am glad that you have a show. I am glad that you have a podcast because, as you say, people are enjoying the context and I appreciate the context that you bring. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and I hope to see you again.
2: It's Thanks.
0: Well, that's our show for tonight, everybody. But before we go, there is going to be a lot of uncertainty in the next few weeks about the vote counts. Luckily, the American Civil Liberties Union has been fighting all year to secure everybody's fundamental right to vote. And now... They're working hard to ensure that every one of those votes are counted. Until next week, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and I hereby declare coronavirus over! Yeah! (coughs) Oh man, (coughs) I guess that doesn't work.
5: The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com